My husband and I were traveling to Austin, which we never get to come to. And I was very, very excited. We were going to go eat. That was the first thing we were going to do. We were starving. So I pulled up Yelp to see what the most popular places were to go to in Austin. And there were so many and I couldn't decide. So I chose this restaurant called Habanero Cafe because we wanted Mexican food. And we walked in and I looked at everyone's plate and I went, I want what she's having and what he's having and what they're having. But what I really wanted the most was mole. Have you ever had mole? Oh my God, it will just change your life. But they didn't have it on the menu. And I am so distraught. Until we sit down at the table, they bring us our chips and our dip. And my husband points to the side to the little sign that says, Friday's special chicken mole. And then the heavens parted and I saw God. And he was right there on my plate, all wrapped up with queso and mole. And it was heaven. My God, that's why I come to Austin. I'm Melissa Radke, and this is I Love You So Much. Welcome to I Love You So Much, the Austin 360 podcast, a show for everyone caught up in an ongoing love affair with Austin, even if it's complicated. I'm your host, Tali Mosley. I'm Omar Gayaga. And I'm Addie Broyles, coming to you from the shores of Lady Bird Lake in the offices of the Austin American Statesman. This week, we talk to Writers Against the Storm. The husband and wife hip-hop duo chat with us in advance of Roz Day, their annual festival of dance, music, and good vibes. Adi Anand, the co-founder of Austin's annual Case Off, yes, a full-blown cook-off for queso makers, warmed our hearts and our bowls with a discussion about Saturday's Mohawk event. In this week's web report, Eric Webb talks to us about a little-known government plot involving our very own Mexican free-tail bats. We'll end, as always, with our recommendations in a toast, but first, Riders Against the Storm. Chaka and Kidata were featured this week in a Deborah Sengupta Stith sound-style article and are the creators of the monthly beloved dance party, Body Rock. They share with us their secret to community building, which has a little something to do with booty pops. And Kidara, thank you so much for joining us, guys. Howdy, hi. What's up? So, okay, the reason we're having you guys in is because you always have something going on, but your annual celebration is coming up. Yeah. When and where is it? It is August 25th at Kenny Dorn's backyard, and it is called Ross Day. Ross Day. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And for someone who's not familiar with Ross Day, what goes on there? Because obviously you guys are there, but what I've always respected about your general career trajectory is it's truly about community, mm. not just y'all putting on a show. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so you can come there from 3 to 11, and from 3 to about 6 or 7, we have all types of movement workshops. People can do yoga. We have African martial arts, African dance. Um, forgive me if we I'm, have massages. We have free massages uh, that come along with it. There's a youth village that mm-hmm. is like this kind of autonomous space. It's kind of like yeah. sovereign space for the kids yeah. to kind of rule. Kids under twelve cool. are free, so yeah. it's like a great opportunity for you know families to come out and share like an entire day with each other and not feel like they're on top of each other. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's space yeah. for everybody. And uh, it's just a lot of fun. Of course, we have music. We got Saul Williams coming this year as a legend, um, spoken word artist and musician. We have a um, up and coming artist named Nitty Scott, who's like just off the chain. I mean, she's like in a this queer era, Buddhist, yeah. like trap rapper. It's just oh, yeah, it's just in this ridiculous. era of Latina rappers yeah. finally getting their due. Like she's definitely one of the stars coming up. Yeah, and uh, we got a group from Brazil called Gato Preto. 
Nice. Yeah, so, and then Trouble in the Streets and the Mommies, which is like Latin punk, female, all-female band. So it's just a mixture of everything. Yeah. We want people to come out and just and, have a and, lot of And fun. one highlight that I need people as far as musically need, besides us, obviously, is uh, <laughs> Honey Sun and his daughter, Olivia. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's like this tiny powerhouse that mm-hmm. is that sings a uh, Creep. Uh, yeah. By Radiohead, and it is she's like yeah. four or five. It is incredible. wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm bringing Nico. Yes, yes. Her father, like you know, just posted her video, her singing "Creep," and it, it kind of went. I don't want to say it went viral, but it, it, it got seven hundred thousand hits. Viral. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I yeah, consider that yeah. actually. I didn't viral. realize. I didn't even realize. I thought it was more Austin, but like it was getting spread around Austin really fast, and yeah. uh, you know, it's it's cool. So she's gonna sing a few songs. He's got his own project called Honey Sun. But we wanted. We thought it was really cool to have that young, like super mm-hmm. young, like five or six year old, mm-hmm. on stage with a father. Something different. You don't get to see at a festival a lot. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So Kenny Norm's backyard is such a special place. Why did you pick that as the home for Ross Day? Initially, we had done it there because one, it's just run by uh, Harold McMillan, who is just an awesome guy who's done so much for the music community here in Austin. And initially, the first year, uh, it kind of coincided with there was like some trouble and the there was risk of losing the space. So a lot of people in the community came out and advocated for the space needing to be there and also did some fundraising to upkeep uh, the aesthetic of it, which was a big issue to so that it can maintain and, you know, continue its contract with the city. And so we just decided to be a part of that movement and it kind of sprung from there. We've we we're might be outgrown it at this point, but it's been a good base. It's well, it's a, a cool base. spot. If Listeners, if you haven't been, they've got food trucks, live music several nights a week. It's just a great place for community to come and mm-hmm. just hang out. I mean, I'll bring my kids there and they run around and get some food. And my yeah. boyfriend lives nearby there. And, and we absolutely love it. I really am attracted to the fact that you guys, um, both for Ross Day and yearly or around around the year with Body Work, the connection between music and movement. Mm. Can you explain a little bit about how you came upon making sure that you married those two in your work? Well, um, I think the main thing, like, we we started as, uh, I don't want to say we started, we've always been artists, but um, a big part of our work before we came here was being organizers in the community. Um, I was a full-time high school teacher. Um, I ran a a nonprofit arts organization. And one of the things that we realized is that people are, you know, working really hard to make changes in in society or to, to make sure that the schools are doing the right things or whatever's going on socially um you know you need that cultural upliftment you need that you need that vibration that's gonna like just take you away from it all Mm -hmm. and so like what you know exercise is a great way to kind of just like forget everything and movement obviously through music is a great way to kind of not only get away but also get in get inside of yourself Mm -hmm. you know and and it's not it's a way where people can you know let down their guard you know and it, it naturally happens and then once their guard is open then you can introduce them to different ideas and concepts and things that they might not know about. And so, um, you know, that's a big part of it is like, you know, just letting people's boundaries and borders get taken down a little bit and then injecting um, a message or, or, or just a general intention, um, whether that be unity or whatever. You know, we've we, we gone through a lot in Austin um, with, the, with the terrorist attacks that happened um, in, in, the, in, the, in the black and brown communities. You know, that was very traumatic. Um, and we need healing spaces. We need spaces where we can come together. We can look at each other. We can we can share, and we can just take a breath. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, a large way that you could do that is just by letting go and dancing, mm-hmm. moving your body. So mm-hmm. we realize the power of that, and we've just been exploring that. And I think now have 
I don't say perfected it, but gotten to a, to a level where we really yeah. We both have it. backgrounds in education and teaching youth, so you learn what it is that actually gets them to pay attention. What it is to gather our our mentors were storytellers, uh, professional storytellers who go and gather the oral oral histories of different places and different stories around the world, and that requires a skill of gathering and getting everyone to kind of zero in and almost go into a trance state of like, okay, here's the story. What can I get from it? Who can I, how can I open myself up to it? You know, um, so it's kind of that. That's that's what we've been studying for a very long time. How do you get someone to be like open to their own story? Right. And I know that self-care Kidata has long been a part of your advocacy. Mm-hmm. And listeners, guys, like um, I want to say too for Body Rock, if you uh, are getting a picture in your mind of something serious, it, it is not that. <laughs> like the healing comes <laughs> yeah. in through like sexy, fun, silly right. dance party yeah. and they're wildly popular. I um, haven't been. Tell us what what, this, what, is the, what well, does the party look like? Okay, what's so cool is, okay, so I go to Body Rocks all the time. I spent my New Year's at the one at Sahara oh, Lounge. Yeah. Which That's was epic. <laughs> How did we miss you with that? Wow. <laughs> is it because I'm in the crowd I doing my you. thing? I got you. <laughs> but what's so fun is um, so you guys are always pulling up people to the stage to dance with you guys. So they have a DJ, Chorizo. Chorizo Funk. Yeah. yeah who is, one of our co- the co-founder. Mm-hmm. He's amazing. And he's playing songs, but you two are rapping over it or giving shout outs. Mm-hmm. And then just all the time pulling up people to the stage. Mm-hmm. And it's all kinds of oaks. It's all ages. It's all yeah. dance backgrounds. All ability levels. Exactly. It's not just like fly girls up there. Mm-mm. It's all kinds of people, and that's the beauty of it. Is that you guys put it on? But I feel like the point of it is everybody. Like let's celebrate each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And w- what you'll see is that you know the people that are like most like self conscious. You know what I mean? It, the crowd doesn't get as excited. It doesn't matter what you're doing as long as you're not in your head about it and you're yeah. just letting yourself express yourself like that's when the you know the crowd and it takes us higher it takes the party higher totally. and it, it gives you a feeling of like yes like we can get higher together you know? right and that's that's what you're experiencing because people are cheering for them people are cheering for you like the higher this energy gets the higher we get the higher we can take you know it just it kind of builds on each other naturally and it's just a great a great environment it's really a lot of fun y'all should come out it's so it's so wonderful there's also a Michael Jackson one coming out later this month yeah. after this episode airs that one is also going to be at North Door yes it's yeah. going to be at North Door on uh, August 24th the night before Ross Day mm-hmm. wow. that usually... is an ambitious little weekend well, you, know, you set up part, for yourselves it is. No, why, <laughs> why do we do that why do we do that but at the same time like I grew up uh, Caribbean and in, and in Brooklyn we have Carnival and in, Carib- in the Caribbean you have Carnival and so Carnival you don't you party for three days straight you don't Got eat yeah. I mean you do eat you eat and you don't sleep and you party for three days so it's we, part of it that's part of it yeah it goes yeah. it takes you into this euphoria <laughs> yeah so we're gonna, we gonna see what happens <laughs> <laughs> I, was gonna, the cool. I was gonna ask how do you usually come down after the night after a body, body rock that's event the next day question. I mean do you have to have some quiet time to just sort of like you know I imagine having that high you were just talking about this taking yeah. it higher and higher and then yeah. that moment of sort of like the release and the, the I mean is there a time where you sort of have to take a day and sort of have oh, some yeah. breakfast oh, and yeah. some quiet time the last, a lot of that. The, last, a lot of that. the last body rock we stayed in bed all day 
the next day. We had another body rock to do that next night for a, a great organization, private event. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have lended our, our services to private events also, like nonprofits that are doing galas and stuff. We want to bring that energy to their cause, you know. So that's, that's something we've gotten into. Mm. But, you know, sometimes we have to, like, take great showers, great baths, yeah. you know what I mean? Get all the great oils and mm-hmm. all fruits and petals, mm-hmm. all of the things that really help soothe you after taking on all that energy. Finding yeah. that balance between the external and the internal, the output and the input. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And Are I, you guys I, podcast people? Because Addie and I love talking about self-care podcasts. <laughs> no, put me on. I'd love to find out. Yeah, that'd be cool. Well, so probably our mutual favorite is Esther Perel's Where Should We Begin, which is a relationship podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but I'm a big fan of taking a bath and putting on Esther Perel because there's something about Belgian psychotherapy that uh. really puts me in a relaxed state of mind. Say it again. What is it? Where should we begin? Where should we begin? Yeah. Okay. Don't we have to check it out. All right. Yeah. Can I just ask you guys what podcasts are you into? I imagine yeah. you're spending some Drink time. Champs. <laughs> I know, yeah. Drink <laughs> Champs is What's Drink Champs? Uh, there was the rapper from the 90s called Nori, Noriega, uh, and he's... Uh, had been quiet for a while and he'd been working on something and and he basically takes all of classic hip-hop artists and legends and he interviews them but he interviews them while they're drinking so they have to like maintain this conversation while they're drinking but it gets so hilarious and the stories that come Mm -hmm. out because these guys built this whole you know a movement together Mm -hmm. that impacted the whole world so these stories get really rich you know Mm -hmm. it's it's really really cool I was just you guys are storytellers you know podcasts are nothing but you know one big long story we thought about doing a podcast a few Mm -hmm. times it's just like one of many things that we think about (laughs) you got a lot going on yeah we got a lot going on but uh, one of my favorites is called Hot Ones and it's a guy that just sits there and he just uh, eats chicken wings with uh, with people, but the, <laughs> it gets progressively hotter like, as they're going along. So, the you know, chicken wings the chicken or wings. the conversation, the, 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 the actual the, wings. Yeah, Got it. the wings. Okay. So it's just like it's just cool to like see the development, and they and they have this conversation the whole time. But like some people can handle it, some people can't. It's always like it's always very funny and entertaining. What's funny time. is that Nori and Hot Ones did a did a podcast together. Oh, oh, so oh, oh, so to they, they drank and they ate hot yeah. wings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we can't let you guys go without hearing about um, a non-performance project, which is a record, which is apparently, allegedly, in the works. Uh, so can you just give us, like, a few, just a few little teasing little, details? Little tastes. Little yeah. taste, just little tastes. Um, firstly, the sound is finally the sound that we've been looking for. Really? Yeah, it's definitely um, a very big uh, very anthemic, uh, very Afrobeaty, very Caribbean. Um, go- going back to both of our roots, you know, um, and it's just very heavy bars. It's a lot of great <laughs> lyrics on there, mm. and uh, everything that we've studied and we've learned, like through Body Rock, through the development of the show, all the shows that we've done, and encountering everybody in the audience and talking with our fans, all of that information and our growth. We finally. We're, we people have been waiting for our statements on our growth, and it's in there. Cool. Can I say a little rhyme? Yes. Yeah. In the city of Stevie Vaughan, rock and roll and blues, got a poem or two that'll transform your mood. 
Get them glued to new heights, what I was born to do. Close to my prime, close to the vine, close to the roots, the chosen is few. But enemies, they many, many, still my light shine through. Just a candle and a machete, watch me mash on these fools. In the park of the Serengeti, I'm ready to break vendettas and traditions so heavy. Deep up in the heart of Texas, spit unlimited grace. These jokers used to call us local, now we up in they face. Testament to the faith, can't stop it, no breaks. So it's run, rise, run, giving thanks and do praise, huh? <laughs> so dare I ask when this fall next year sometimes sometime well it's coming that's so cool okay well on that note we will close out that's a great way to end so thank you yeah. so much for sharing with us the art itself and your we'll conversation with them right? I will see you at Raze and at Michael Jackson getting the three day started yeah, get your euphoria <laughs> thanks guys alright thank you The riot doesn't require that you are reasonable. Since 2011, Austin's Casehoff has been a creamy hot delight. Co-founder Adi Anand and Statesman Features editor Sharon Chapman came into the studio to cheese out with us about it. Adi, thanks for being on. I love you so much. Thank you for having me. So let's break down what the case off is and how it started, because I mean, every visitor I have that comes to Austin is obsessed with like, take me to the queso like right now. I want to have queso. So like what spurred the idea and, and how did it get get going? Um, so basically it was, um, I believe, the year 2011 when James Moody and I were, I guess, having um, one scotch too many at the Mohawk. And we just decided that, you know, both of us loved queso so much. Um, everyone we knew was obsessed with it, essentially. Um, and we were like, let's have a day where we celebrate queso. And really, it was as simple as that. We decided to uh, really just see what the interest was like. We put out some emails. Folks were like, yeah, I'll make some queso. Um, you know, we had restaurants interested. We had, um, you know, home cooks, um, neighbors. My mom entered it the second year. So, you know, it's really... Uh, awesome mix of um, restaurants and just local businesses who want to have fun and, and uh, people at home who just think they make a badass case. So I want to kick some chef's ass. So that that first one, how how small was it? Like how many like quesos were there at the first one? Um, I think we had about twenty to twenty five uh, submissions or contestants at that one, and um, on average we have uh, anywhere from between thirty and forty. I think this year we're at. Uh, probably an all-time high at 39 at the moment and uh, probably about another 40 on the waiting list. So um, it just becomes a matter of uh, power and at the Mohawk and space. Uh, otherwise, you know, um, we'd love to have hundreds of them, but, you know, uh, it's really first come, first serve. So uh, the first 35 plus teams that's kind of sign up, they get in and um, have the city of Austin try the dish. Now, now Sharon, you've been to this, right? I, I've every year I've been supposed to be there and something gets in my way and I'm very sad. You let something stand in the way That's, of queso? I know. I'm I'm terrible. That's yeah, really so. embarrassing. I know it is embarrassing. <laughs> I will come this year for sure. But I mean, as I mean, uh, Sharon, our features editor, I, I mean, where does queso stand in like the cultural Parthenon of Parthenon of Austin? Like where it feels like it's right next to like bats and cowboy boots. Oh, for sure. And I think 
as much as we love queso here, we also love to make fun of queso in other cities and when people give it different names. When they know? put peas in it or whatever. Yes. Or, or if or they, they guacamole. Yeah, cheese dip. A cheese dip. Yeah. I mean, when I was in college, I'll admit it, we used to take Velveeta and melt it and then add a can of or a jar of picante sauce. Like Rotel or whatever. Right, Rotel. And that was but we see, thought, that's, your, thought, that's your basic. That was amazing. Yeah, that's, that's, your, still that's queso. perfectly fine. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was going to We won't shun you for that. Oh, great. I'm sure okay. someone that so pays off over... Seven plus years has done that. Too like in a pinch, that will, that will do. <laughs> really. I mean, we loved it. And of course, that's all we could afford as college students. So it was amazing. Yeah, I would say queso would, you know, rank pretty high to, uh, in just Austin because brisket, barbecue, stuff like that is obviously pretty high. I mean, I feel like the MLS team should be Austin queso. It's sort of that perfect in between between like like a light appetizer and a and a full meal, but you, you could make a meal out of it. Wait, like you've you had put, it as a light appetizer? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's between that. Like a light appetizer would be like uh, like just the chips and salsa. This is sort yeah. of a little bit heavier, a little bit. You can put some meat in it, some brisket. You can sure. put some some sirloin, some jalapenos, and then you get like the makings of almost a meal. Uh, and I, people do. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, yesterday I was on my way to get some tacos, and I was driving by Freebirds, and I did a quick to go into the parking lot because I suddenly thought, oh, I could get a free birds bowl and have some queso put on it because <laughs> I love their queso. And as... the, their app, they give away a queso like it's like it's rain. Like they just, like you can, oh, yeah. you can score a free queso at free birds really easily with their app. But it was the queso that changed my mind. I thought, oh, as much as I love tacos, I'm in the mood for queso right now. <laughs> now, as a Latino, I'm going to get crap for ca- calling it queso versus oh. queso. So, oh. so from here on out through the interview, I'm going to just call it Okay. That's fine. And uh, I've struggled <laughs> with that off. too because uh, the idea was, I mean, obviously most people say queso and, you know, it was a contest and, you know, um, I just wanted to name it after a John Travolta and Nicolas Cage movie and, you know, <laughs> case off. Oh, okay. That's yeah. the, okay. Face, I get it. All right. Uh, so let's talk about this year's event. Last year's was rained out. Yeah. Now, I'm a simple man. I love queso. Uh, it would take a lot more than rain to stop me from getting, but this is the Mohawk. This is a very like open venue. So that was that the issue? Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, honestly, we try to proceed with it basically all the evening before, all morning. And then one of our tents blew over and that was that, you know, obviously we didn't want to risk anyone getting hurt by any means. And, um, you know, we had plenty of people kind of saying like, oh, it's just going to drizzle and rain, keep doing it. And we've seen that in the past where, you know, you can still do something like this with tents and if it's just drizzling but with the wind and uh danger we just decided uh it was best to hold off well, hopefully it'll, hopefully it'll be clear this year and uh, matthew odom our restaurant critic was supposed to be a judge last year and he is returning this year to be a judge who, who are the other judges um yeah matthew odom is actually the only uh judge who's judged it multiple times so this will be his third time um no other judge has ever done it more than once so um if he's listening and i hope he is you know i hope he knows how he, how lucky he is um <laughs> i'll remind him <laughs> if, if, he, ju- if he flakes out i'm i'm available <laughs> yeah oh there's a waiting list for that oh, too okay. <laughs> oh wow can people sign up to be a judge if they are uh, really passionate about queso or they can what's sign the best up. way for them to enter too they just sign up and well like you said it's first come first serve to enter it's definitely first come first serve uh you email queso at mohawkaustin.com um you know look I'll check it out and get back to people accordingly. Um, on the judges, um, I get requests all the time, and I do have a running list, and some of them are bolded, some are italicized. Uh, there's a pecking order, I guess. Oh, okay. Know. Well, so I'm, please tell us the rest <laughs> of the judges for this year. They sound very uh, lucky. Yeah, so we have uh, Aaron Franklin from mm-hmm. uh, Franklin, Laurel, and Hot Luck Fest. Uh, we Heard have, of them. 
uh, <laughs> Leanne Bakunas from Yeti, um, Kristen Kish, who just opened a restaurant at the line, um, the Arlo Gray, um, Miriam Parker from the Austin Food and Wine Alliance. They do some great stuff in town. Um, and yeah, and Matthew. So tell us about some of the, the restaurants and, and organizations that are participating this year. I think the, some of the past winners have included Frank and who were some of the others? Uh, Frank's won it multiple times. Austin Facial Hair Club won one year with the ghost chile pepper. Um, yeah. So that's was, a case where it's not a restaurant. It's a like it's, a group of dudes with yeah. beards. Dudes and dudettes with beards just um, <laughs> wanting to <laughs> okay. put their best foot forward in the queso world. Um, and yeah, like I said, it's a good mix of restaurants, just local businesses and uh, folks from home. This year we have um, some really good ones. We have Daidue. Uh, doing one, we have Micklewaite doing uh, a lamb queso, I believe. Um, hopefully that wasn't a secret. Um, uh, Mama <laughs> Foos is doing one. Austin's Pizza, um, Better Half, Central Standard, El Bruto. Those are some of the places that don't even normally make queso, and they just want to have fun and do something fun and creative. And then, you know, obviously folks like Crudy's and Pallone's and um, Posse East, Queso's Taco House, um, so it's, it's, it's a wide range for sure. And we have some vegan options as well. Um, Willigan's Island, I believe, is going to do a vegan one or maybe it's a veggie one. And then uh, this business called Counterfeit Queso is going to do a counterfeit queso. So and the way it works is you bring in a, a donation or pay and then you get a bag of you pay for a bag of chips and then you just go around with your bag of chips and try the different ones. Yeah, we benefit Central Texas Food Bank. You can get in by either donating two dollars or two canned goods, which um, is pretty affordable. <laughs> and then uh, five dollars for a bag of chips and you get to try 35 plus types of queso. So seven bucks plus anything you might want at the bar. And you should be good to go. Now, as far as judging these things, uh, you can't really compare like a runny, watery uh, you know, mild queso with a like hot and spicy, you know, chunky one. Like, what are the different categories? So we have four categories: it's uh, veggie, spicy, meaty, and wild card. And then we have an overall winner that's ground, uh, which can in, in years past judges have chosen a completely different fifth team as the overall winner, or one of the four that won one of the categories sometimes um, gets selected to be the best at queso in town. So this wild card category, like what are some of the craziest cases um, you remember? I think the most memorable one, and they won it two years in a row, was the cream team. They did like this um, queso gelato, which sounds gross, say, but say it was what? delicious. What? It was, uh, yeah, and they, it even came with like a sweet chip they'd made. Um, and it was essentially, yeah, gelato or ice cream. And it, So it was cold? Yeah. And it, it tasted like queso? I mean, it was queso flavored yeah it wasn't like <laughs> intensely overwhelmingly queso but it tasted great <laughs> that's like when you go to the popcorn shop and they have like that the thousand flavors and you get the queso popcorn and you're like i should just be eating queso what am I doing? <laughs> but uh wow that sounds amazing yeah it, it i mean again we always have a great lineup of judges so it's people who know what they're talking about and it won the wild card category two years in a row so obviously it was um pretty solid wow and there's, a, there's usually a pretty sizable line to get in. So, like, do you advise people get there early? Get, get Yeah, um, it's, you know, pretty South by Southwest-esque in terms of the line. Um, you know, by the time doors open, it's a few blocks long at least. So uh, we always recommend getting there early. This year, um, Rambler Sparkling Water is going to give away complimentary sparkling water to the first 100 folks in line. So, um, you know, hopefully it'll be a nice... Uh, fairly warm, not wet day, but everyone can enjoy sparkling water while they wait to get in. Well, the guess off rhymes with face off. 
uh, <laughs> happens on August 25th. Uh, it's Saturday. What what time do, uh, do people It's get 1 there? o'clock. 1 o'clock. So get there, what, like 11-ish, 10-ish? Uh, it's not Franklin Barbecue-esque just yet, but I would say <laughs> by 1130 or noon. Aaron Franklin says, this line is nothing. <laughs> uh, well, Adi, thank you so much for coming in. We really appreciate it. And good luck with this year's ESO. We, I, man, I'm, I'm hungry. Just well, yeah, you guys should totally I come. To. I can probably get you in. What? <laughs> thank you, sir. Thank you. Webb, welcome to the Web Report. Thanks, Dolly. Glad to be here as always. Okay, so today you're going to drop a bomb on us. I'm going <laughs> to drop a bomb on you, Dolly. Oh, ta- uh, Eric, we don't have the rights to that song. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Please stop. Yeah, fair use, fair use. So uh, today I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story about how you never really know someone until they show their true colors or until you learn something about them that you didn't think possible. Are you about to reveal something about yourself? Eric? Well, Omar, uh, no, I'm about to reveal something about the statesman, be- the statesman's best friend, the Mexican free tailed bat. Oh, oh no. no. Are you going to burst a bubble? No, this actually, is will- this a me too story? Oh no, no, no. <laughs> okay. This actually might make you uh, appreciate the bat a little more than you probably already did. I have been a bat doubter before, <laughs> but the Washington post had an article <laughs> about very recently, a few weeks ago, about the secret history of Mexican free-tailed bats in World War II and how the U.S. military tried to use them as bombers what? in Japan. It is true. Yes. Uh, the U.S. military had this uh, project called Project X-Ray, which is just <laughs> the best, most sci-fi, most like World War II movie Quintessential name. project name. Absolutely. And so the plan was to take the bats and attach bombs to them and release them from a plane <laughs> where they would then take roost in Japanese buildings. And then at some point, either the, the bombs would explode with the bats or the bats would leave the bombs <laughs> in the buildings and, and the bats are like, war. The bats are like, do what now? You want us to what? Wait, wait, wait. Okay, so hold on. The geolocation seems somewhat imprecise. I mean, I get it that they're going to fly into a building in Japan, but... I mean, what if they fly into, uh, I don't know, like an HEB or instead of, I mean, I guess I could have some use value if you're trying to win a war, but a Japanese HEB is like, (laughs) so I do that just they will roost anywhere and well, will go off. You're beginning to see why this plan actually didn't work. (laughs) Um, It it was, it was rubber stamped by FDR himself. uh, And apparently FDR was like, this seems like this has some legs in a moment of drunk. (laughs) What? Well, the guy, the scheme was cooked up by this Pennsylvania dentist that apparently Eleanor Roosevelt had like met before, and so FDR like, was like, what? "Yeah, no, this is wild." This My dentist is has wild. a great idea. I'm still on the FDR joke for for the war. There's more. Just wait. I'm going to let y'all collect yourselves because you're not going to be able to handle this. Uh, they originally, when they first came to the plan, they discovered they didn't have bombs small enough to put on the bats. <laughs> No. What did we put in? No. <laughs> Tiny black cat firecracker. <laughs> so they had to invent special bat-sized bombs. I'm, I'm going to give you a second because there's more. Are you ready? I love, Okay, go. Keep going. The bombs are manufactured with parts from a factory owned by Bing Crosby. No. Wait, what? I'm so sorry. It's This is according to the Washington Post. Yes. Okay, so many questions. Why did Bing Crosby own a factory 
why were tiny bombs made to put on top of bats? That's so cruel to the poor bats. Slash, why did FDR represent an idea from his wife's dentist? Like, I don't know if it was Eleanor's what? dentist, but it was a dentist that Eleanor had met. But regardless, <laughs> you're not wrong to laugh, I don't think. Uh, oh, my God. Bing, Bing Crosby's kids are like, thank goodness he didn't use those on us. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So, but why Mexican free tail bats? Are they specifically like what makes them special compared to other bats? Like, why was this particular species sought? You know, out? I don't know specifically. And so, we might need to check back on the original Washington Post article for that one. But there were a couple of reasons this plan, well, there was more than one reason, <laughs> more than two reasons why this plan I could think of work. like 10. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, why it was eventually abandoned, some of the roadblocks they encountered on their way to this <laughs> implementation, bat, this bat explosion, where um, they couldn't control them very well. Which <laughs> you, think? you don't say. Yeah, you don't say. And so they had to refrigerate them at one point to like make them sleepy and make them a little more docile. <laughs> but then in some case, the bats woke up a little too soon. And then in some cases, <laughs> boom. And in some cases, a la the episode of WKRP in Cincinnati, the bats didn't wake up in time, and so they just fell to ground, <laughs> fell to the earth with their bombs, their tiny bombs yeah. from Bing oh, Crosby's factory, yeah. strapped on their backs. That's kind of sad, actually. No, this the whole thing is it's tragicomic. Uh, and then the whole thing just kind of ended when the at a New Mexico military base. The bats kind of like got loose and uh, they oh, set the entire base revolted. on fire. Wait, what? Whoa. Yeah. And then Hold on. intentionally set the base on fire. I don't know if the bats intentionally did. You're going to have to ask the bats. But <laughs> and then including uh, a jet, one bat like went rogue and flew into a general's car, apparently. And then the, the car just exploded. So it's like the end of an action movie. This is what I'm saying is this is a big budget movie literally waiting to happen. <laughs> God, this is so weird and delightful. Right? <laughs> it's the best thing I've ever heard in my life. Oh my goodness. Okay, um, Eric Webb, I don't I don't really know what else there is to say How will we to ever, add to this story. Ever top this. This is the best web report ever. Thank you so much for this piece of history. It's a pleasure. And uh, if you want to read the whole Washington Post article, because there's stuff I left out, <laughs> just to be totally clear. Go to left out a whole romantic subplot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there was a B plot and uh, Frank Sinatra got involved. Serenated exactly. The There's a, there a big band soundtrack. Um, Mafia. But what, what, what if he tied bombs to mosquitoes? How about that? <laughs> well, <laughs> we already I- had to build smaller, smaller bombs. <laughs> but if you do want the full story, uh, go to austin360.com slash web reports. And uh, we link to the original Washington Post article uh, in this in this uh, column. Oh, thank you so much, Eric Webb. moment in our show where we have a toast. This is where we go around the table making some recommendations of things we think you, our listeners, should check out. And we have Statesman social media editor Eric Webb joining us. So Eric, Omar, who would like to start? Uh, Eric, why don't you go first? Oh, I'll go for it. So anyone who has had to encounter me in the past probably two to three weeks has listened to me talk about The Good Wife. Yes, that's right. The Good Wife. The CBS legal procedural. The Juliana Margulies show? The Juliana Margulies Christine Hi, 2012. Baranski. Well, okay. Good to see you. So, oh, thanks. I look. I think I look <laughs> good for my age. Um, so, Amazon Prime, you can watch anything. And I just came across... Apparently, the, everything. I, anything. It, well, okay. Don't smack talk <laughs> the good way. 
<laughs> so, it's prestige TV. It is prestige TV. So that's what I like about it. For those who don't know, the really short version of The Good Wife is Juliana Margulies plays a political wife whose husband, played by Chris Noth, a.k.a. Mr. Big, uh, is embroiled in scandal and he cheated on her with some prostitutes and then he also was maybe a, a corrupt like state's attorney and so he gets sent to jail and she's left with two kids and she's like well I guess I'll go be a lawyer and then <laughs> she goes to work for a law firm as a junior associate wait she wasn't a lawyer before all she this? was a lawyer before all that but she had like abandoned oh, her legal career to okay. be you know and just magic- good good wife. can just yeah. magically produce a law degree well, no <laughs> she had, yeah she has the Georgetown law degree and so she works at the firm owned by her college boyfriend and then Christine Baranski is also there and she's wearing pearls and sitting at her desk and going ha all the time <laughs> it's great uh, and so what you were saying, Tali, about being prestige TV, I think is true because it's this perfect blend of network TV, legal procedural, where there's a case a week. And so it kind of like keeps you going that way. But right. then also it's like very high quality and there's overarching plot lines and the performances are just chef kiss, just amazing. Well and I done. hear great guest stars. Oh, every, I mean, Michael J. Fox, Martha Plimpton on a guest star. You name it. Good Wife has got it. Good uh, Wife. Alan Cumming. Like, Alan Cumming, yeah, he becomes a series My regular. Goodness. Parker Posey. Why do what? I know so much about this show yeah. that I've never watched? <laughs> because it's a good show. Okay. So, and there's also, I'll let you do the Googling, but do the Googling. There's some like behind the scenes intercast drama also that like is fun to watch for while you're watching the show. Oh my when gosh. I don't know why I've always resisted The Good Wife, but it's, Eric, it's on, you're making a good case for it. Because it was on CBS? Thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the broad appeal potential turn and then off. when you're done with that show eric you got a whole spinoff to, to deal with the good fight starring again this christine baranski also of mamma mia 2 here we go again fame wow okay all right this is a solid toast omar that was a lot in that one top that <laughs> okay well i went to a play recently i got out to the oh. theater uh which i don't get to do often enough and actually um this is one of those things where i i get to say nice things about a good friend uh raul garza wrote a play called There and Back, which is now playing at the Ground Floor Theater. This is, uh, when you hear this, this will be the last weekend, so please try to catch it. Uh, and it is a play about immigration, but not the play you would expect to see about immigration. This is a story about just one woman uh, and her experiences through the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, up to the present day. Um, and Actually, actually I think it starts in the 60s, but goes all the way up to the Trump years. And uh, just sort of her, her experience of going to a migrant camp, of, and it touches on you know worker strikes. It touches on relationships, and it's it has a very very powerful ending that I, I have not been able to get out of my head. Um, Raul uh, used to write for the Latino Comedy Project, so I've known him for years. Uh, he's an award winning playwright. Uh, he his brother David Garza has done music for his shows, uh, and if you ever saw Phantasmaville or some of his previous plays, you know he's he's got a really distinct great voice, not just a Latino voice but a voice in theater. Uh, so you should check it out. And it's got a really solid uh, lead performance from Karina Dominguez, who used to work at the Statesman in the, in the web, on the web desk oh, hey. ages and ages ago before Eric was here. Uh, and she gives a fantastic, she has to carry the entire play, uh, basically. There's only three actors in it, and she's the lead for the entire show. She's on stage the entire time, pretty much. Uh, and my good friend Michael Trejo is in the show, too. So that, that, that was my connection to it. Uh, it's great. Go see it. And what's it. it called again? There and Back. And, and it's, it is... Uh, Heartbreaking and funny and political. And playing at? At the Ground Floor Theater, which is off Spring, near Canopy, uh, off Springdale, uh, behind cool. the, the um, rock climbing place. That's a cool space. So, yeah, very cool theater, very cool play. Uh, go see it. It's, it's, uh, this is the last weekend to check it out, so please check it out. It's, it's really, and I hope they bring it back because it's, it's really worth seeing. Awesome. Holly. Okay, all right. So I stumbled into something totally by accident last night, and I'm so glad I did, called the ATX Flowdown. 
And what this is, this uh, these are musicians playing jazz standards, which then spoken word artists come and rap over. Oh. And I don't know why no one has thought of this before, but it's totally brilliant. And um, I what I think is happening is that um, they have a set lineup, and then the people that are kind of most popular, the lyricists that are most popular, then come back and get on the lineup. So they're kind of like getting it down, distilling it down to the best, you know, most beloved spoken word artists. And then as the series goes on, they're going to have just their superstars. But what's also cool is they have like an audience reach out time where they say, all right, does anyone else want to come up here and try it? And just the people I saw last night were absolutely incredible. And you were like, I'll go. Oh my no. God. Oh, no. shit. Well, so here's my question though. So, is there an improv element to this? Is this, or are these prepared spoken word pieces okay. that work with the music? Great question. So, from what I could tell last night, these were either spoken word artists or rappers who clearly had prepared material. But one of the most incredible guys I saw, who I wish I had gotten his name, came up with a notebook that was about half of his piece. But then he started freestyling and was just amazing and he was clearly like tuning into whatever jazz standard was being played so he was um you remember when we had Saul Paul in Omar oh yeah yeah so it was like that kind of situation where he was just listening to the beats and coming up with lyrics on the spot which is a skill set I 100% that do not possess skill set. Yeah. now where is this so it's called ATX Flowdown. I saw it at Spider House but I think the locations might be changing from month to month so follow them on Facebook. It was such a serendipitous exper- experience. I'm so glad I attended. Fantastic. So, well, yeah. great toast this week, guys. Thank you. Thank great. you, Eric, for joining us. Thanks, Cheers. That's our show. She's Addie. He's Omar. I'm Tali. Check out the Austin 360 Instagram and Facebook for more about life in Austin. And talk to us on Twitter at loveaustin 360 If you liked what you heard today, leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. It helps other people discover the show. I Love You So Much, the Austin 360 podcast is produced by Alyssa Vidales. The show is made with support from Features Editor Sharon Chapman and the entire Austin 360 staff. Our theme music is from local band Hardproof, which you should definitely check out at hardproofmusic.com. You can find more about the show and its contributors at austin360.com slash loveaustin360. And if you want to pitch an idea for the show or give us feedback, shoot us a note at loveaustin360 at statesman.com or leave a voicemail at 512-445-3672. We couldn't do this show without you, dear listeners, and we can't thank you enough for lending us your ears, your comments, and your back-to-school supplies. Until next week, we'll see you stopping for school buses with a smile on your face. Mm -hmm.